Welcome to Live Label Free, the podcast where we talk about all things eating disorder recovery, autism, entrepreneurship, and so much more. I'm your host, Livia Sarah, and my mission is to inspire individuals from across the globe to live a life in which they feel fulfilled and free from limiting labels. I am so excited to have you here and cannot wait to dive into the episode. Hello, hello, my friends. Now, before we get into the intro and, of course, today's chat with one of my best friends, I want to ask you, what is your why? Why did you choose to listen to this episode today? Why do you want to recover? Why do you want to change at all? Now, I know these questions are absolutely loaded and you probably cannot answer them in a split second, which is exactly why I wanted to release an episode today diving into the importance of finding your why in recovery. Because the reality is, If you are not doing something with a mission or with a purpose, chances are that thing is not sustainable. I often get asked how to find motivation in recovery, and my answer is always find your reason to recover. The very definition of motivation is a reason or reasons for acting or behaving in a particular way, meaning you will only have motivation to behave as a recovered person if you know your reason for wanting to be that recovered person. But what does it mean to be a recovered person? What does it take to get there? What does it take to go from being sick to standing strong in recovery? In today's chat with my lovely friend Dharma, we unpack so much wisdom around the importance of taking inspired action. Most of you listening may have never heard of Dharma before because she doesn't have a large online presence like the guests on most podcasts do. But what she does have is an incredible soul, a brave heart, and a powerful story. And that is why I asked her to come on today. I don't want my podcast to be one of those podcasts that only interviews people you already know. Because yes, those people have wisdom and an audience and they may have written books and done all the things, but what is more relatable than someone who's just like you? What is more relatable than someone who has struggled in silence like the millions of you who are struggling right now? Afraid to express your emotions out of fear that no one will listen or those that will invalidate you. You'll learn all about how Dharma and I met in a second, but I just want to express gratitude for Dharma's openness and vulnerability today. She shares her story around being a competitive gymnast growing up and how her eating disorder and exercise addiction took away that passion for movement. She opens up about why she had to end a toxic relationship, which I know firsthand can be so incredibly difficult. Dharma and I dive deep into so many important topics, from hypothalamic amenorrhea to the importance of intention to the dangers of the traditional healthcare system and why only you can save yourself in the end. We also touch on ways in which letting go of your eating disorder can trigger other addictions, such as OCD, compulsive movement, and we share tips on how to rewire your brain during the times that you are unable to separate your own thoughts from the eating disorder thoughts. If you are in need of a reminder that recovery is about the journey and not the destination, this episode is exactly that. Recovery is about discovering yourself, 
unlocking your potential and becoming stronger than you ever thought possible. I know this because I've stood in your shoes. Dharma and I have been where you are. We felt the fear and fought the fight and it's made us better. Now I hope this episode inspires you to fight your fight because you are so worth it my friend. Now, if you do find yourself being inspired while listening, Dharma and I would both love it if you could let us know your thoughts over on Instagram. I'm at LiveLabelFree, like the name of this podcast, and you can find Dharma at DharmaRocio on Instagram. That's spelled D-H-A-R-M-A-R-O-C-I-O on Instagram. Now, without further ado, let's meet Dharma. Hey, Dharma, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm just so happy to be here. Yeah, me too. And we were just chatting before this how this is actually the first interview podcast that I'm doing without like any kind of plan or with regards to questions where I don't have really any questions planned because I was talking to Dharma about this earlier and we'll get on to who Dharma is and kind of our story of how we met. But we were just talking about how when we listen to podcasts, we love to just hear the casual chats like the fly on the wall, listening to two people have a conversation and learning from that. Because personally, those are my favorite podcasts to listen to. And of course, an interview with like a big researcher or scientist is very informative and helpful. But if it's just two friends like it's fun to just catch up and not have any pressure you know so um yeah Dharma can you kind of tell our audience who you are and kind of your story yeah sure well as you said my name is Dharma and you probably wouldn't know me (laughs) because I'm not a content creator or influencer or whatever you want to call that so I'm just I could say leaves podcast editor yeah She's the best podcast editor. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I can just explain like that how we met. Yeah, yeah. I think it was, I don't know how many months ago, but probably half a year. Yeah, time, time flies. I can't believe we're ready like in September 2021. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, some months ago you posted, I remember, uh, Instagram story saying you wanted help in something related to I think like it was some graphic design or something like that yeah it was a a YouTube thumbnail I'm pretty sure I had posted on my story oh my goodness this YouTube thumbnail took me three hours to make does anybody want to help me with YouTube thumbnails and I was like kind of joking I guess but then you replied and yeah go ahead (laughs) yeah I just replied like immediately I didn't even thought about it I was like yeah Sure, I can help. Then we started to talk from there. I helped you with some things and then you started your podcast. But I have always loved editing videos and audio files and everything. So I just thought, okay, I love Liv. I love her page and I love her content. So why not? Um, Then from there, we have been working together and just getting to know each other and I think we have just become such a good friends very naturally because really I was just a follower like many of your followers I have also a history with an eating disorder which I'm recovering from so yeah basically I just found Liv in my explorers page and I just started following her 
Um, I love her content. So yeah, here we are. Yeah. And I mean, I couldn't have said it better, just how amazing social media can be in that aspect of really connecting people and then becoming such good friends and really having someone now to talk to and now having you on the podcast, kind of bringing it full circle. And I mean, not even full circle, like it's over because the circle is just going to keep growing. But yeah, I, I was talking to Dharma like on our chat a couple of days ago, I think. And I was saying like social media can be so annoying, like because of the comparison aspects. And I mean, it's such an addiction. Like the world is literally addicted to phones and social media. And I mentioned on a recent episode that I want to get more into like digital minimalism as I kind of prepare for my move and really think about what I want my life to look like. But on the other hand, social media is also such an amazing resource, not only for eating disorder recovery and to find like-minded people, but I really have met some of my best friends through social media. So I'm just so incredibly grateful that we found each other. Well, I guess you found me and reached out because what's just evolved kind of so quickly, even though we're like also in two completely different countries, you're in Spain and I'm in the Netherlands now. And actually the day this episode releases, so the day you are listening to this, I will not be in the Netherlands anymore. I will be in California because I'm flying on the day this episode releases so that's a whole nother exciting adventure but yeah I think basically what I just wanted to say is that social media is just an amazing way to connect with people and to just feel like you're not alone especially with the past year and I feel like almost two years now of the pandemic and everyone being kind of I guess locked up in their homes so I'm really excited to have you on and get into kind of talking about eating disorders. And we had talked about, we wanted to discuss like exercise addiction and hypothalamic amenorrhea. And because these are topics that are so common in like the recovery world, and there's so many questions regarding like, how do I heal these things? I thought it would be an amazing opportunity to chat with a really good friend about these really good juicy topics for lack of a better word so now that everyone knows kind of who you are and how we met and what our relationship is do you want to kind of just share your story with an eating disorder and how that kind of I guess came to be for lack of a better word yeah well I want to be completely honest and this is very vulnerable to me because I don't usually talk about these things like I have talked about it obviously with my parents and my closest friends but not really in my environment so yeah but I basically I have struggled with anorexia and orthorexia and I have also dealt well I'm dealing with hypothalamic amenorrhea as I haven't recovered my period yet but it will you will <laughs> yes yeah so basically I would say like I have always been a gymnast from the age around 10 to I think 18. And how old are you now just for everyone to know? Uh, yeah for reference I'm 21 now. So uh, I was a gymnast for eight years. That was a huge part in my life as you can imagine I was training a lot and well my whole life revolved around gymnastics. At that time I had a very good relationship with my body and with eating in general like I fueled my workouts so I was too strong and I was building muscle and everything was fine then I stopped gymnastics uh, so I started uni and well things weren't as good in my team so I just decided that it was enough 
And then also for reference, I was in a long-term relationship of four years until last year that we broke up. And there are lots of different factors that have contributed to my eating disorder. But I think that past relationship was like the last drop in the bucket because at first, like everything, I guess, it was a pretty good relationship. But then it became a very bad, toxic, abusive relationship. So it made me like really self-conscious about myself and it made me feel really guilty about myself also. I was feeling very sad very depressed, uh, I had lots of anxiety, panic attacks also. Um, basically, I didn't talk about with anyone about that. I just, like, I swallowed all my feelings. I just didn't talk about that with anyone. So, yeah, when you are feeling so much things, because I'm also a very hypersensitive person, and you can't express those things with anyone, I think anorexia was kind of like, okay, I can't deal with anything else now. I am so fed up. Literally, I cannot swallow things anymore. Like, I'm full. I was also taking care of many people, but not taking care of myself. Firstly, in the mental space, and then after, like, really just not nourishing myself, not eating. It was a coping mechanism, I guess, as it always is. Yeah, well, well, I just want to start off by saying thank you so much for sharing all that, especially because, wow, like, I just learned a lot, too, that I didn't even know about you before, about the toxic relationship and feeling like you really couldn't share this with anyone. So thank you so much for being so open and so vulnerable, because like you said before, like, you've never really talked about this before. And to just talk about this and open up about this to all my listeners on such a public platform is just I think so brave and I think I can speak on behalf of everyone listening to this that we are really really grateful because something that I've learned on my own journey and now especially with having a platform and sharing my story is that often when we think like we're the only one you realize you're never alone there's always someone out there dealing with the same thing and obviously everyone's story is different and unique to them but I think that this is really really helpful for someone listening to this who's maybe stuck in a toxic relationship or also just got out of one and kind of also maybe developed an eating disorder and beat themselves up about it like oh it's all my fault but that's then where I always say like an eating disorder is not your fault because I always think it's so strange that people are so suspicious I guess of people developing eating disorders because if you think about it it's so like logical because we use it as a coping mechanism for control because all of these factors around us are not in our control I mean if if you think about life like 99.9 percent of things are not in our control so the fact that we turn to food like I always say like what's the one thing that you can control that you need to do every day is eat um so that's literally so almost easy to turn to and then especially when you have these genetics for anorexia or other eating disorders or mental health issues in general because I do strongly believe that 
there are genetic predispositions to all these mental health issues. And there are even scientific studies to back that up. But don't quote me on anything here because I, I don't have any PubMed articles by my side. But yeah, kind of my message with this is to cope with food and to turn to kind of disordered behaviors to deal with everything around you and then to go on to develop an eating disorder. It is not your fault. So I never want anyone to feel guilty or ashamed for being sick or having the sickness because it is not you like it overcomes you like you don't choose it but that is what I always say like recovery and and choosing to build a life that you do want that really is your choice and the fact that you're sitting here with me right now because you found me because you were you wanted to recover and you wanted motivation to recover I can't even express how brave that is and now to share your story here with other people to inspire them to recover and do amazing things like we so appreciate you <laughs> so with that said do you want to kind of dive into the maybe exercise addiction and how your eating disorder evolved after you said you came out of this toxic relationship and started like restricting yeah well like I was still in that relationship when I developed anorexia and at first it was just like eating behaviors you know but then also in 2020, with all the pandemic, it was also difficult because here in Spain, we had a lockdown of two months. And during that time, I was at home like everyone and I wasn't seeing my boyfriend then. So after those two months, like I already had anorexia, but those two months were very tough. Like I got very sick very quickly in those two months. And it was like pretty obvious to me. Before that, I knew that something was happening, but I didn't recognize that as anorexia. I didn't recognize I had a problem. But after those two months, it was so obvious. Like I couldn't lie to myself anymore. And I was so scared. But I started to look for information on all of that. And I said, okay, I have to be clear with myself. I have a problem and I have to get things done. I have to resolve it. I don't know how. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I need to do something about it. So after those two months, I met up with my boyfriend because I thought, okay, I will tell to him. Like I didn't even thought about telling it to other person. So I just told him like I was having issues with food and blah 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 and all I am saying with this also is just that if you open up to someone and that person isn't helping you or invalidates you or whatever it is that is not helpful to you whatever that could be to anyone listening just I feel you I understand you it's so hurtful and painful and you can't let that stop you from recovering because ultimately you're recovering for you. It's your life. You can break that relationship and that person can go and you can part ways, but it's your life. And the one who's suffering is you. So yeah, I break up with him. And then I started having issues with exercise addiction as I guess it was like a coping mechanism to another coping mechanism with was the food. Yeah, because you said like you knew there was an issue, so you wanted to better that issue with eating more, but then it like almost contributed to another addiction. Exactly. 
I was like controlling my food with my exercise. So I started to exercise a lot more excessively and also compulsive movement, not only exercise, like walking a lot instead of taking the bus or taking the train or whatever. And compulsive, you know, cleaning around the house or whatever I could do. So yeah, it was like very bad. Um, I was just so frustrated because I, I've told before exercise was a huge part of my life and it actually is nowadays because I love exercising but I was just like kind of mad and angry at myself like I had used exercise that it was something I loved and I have changed the narrative that it was something almost like to punish myself and make me feel like worse in a way because actually I was feeling worse I just wasn't getting my period either so I knew something was happening I'm still working on it but it's definitely much much better and also yoga really helped me because a lot of the movements and the yoga poses like the asanas are pretty similar to when I was doing gymnastics so I kind of like had the same movements, but yoga allowed me to know my body and feel my body, not in a way like in a competitive way or doing it for the look or something. It's just like more of a feeling thing with the breathing and the movement and compassion, you know? Yeah, no, so much of what you just said is so really resonating with me and I know that it also resonates with a lot of people listening because questions about how do I stop exercising compulsively are like part of like the daily DM conversations you know and especially what you said and going back to the beginning about like you started eating again and you started noticing your body but then it switched to another coping mechanism which was like exercising almost to deserve food like for me that really resonates a lot also in like the form of OCD because I for my whole life have been very like particular about things and I think it also is very closely tied to my autism and just being very sensitive that everything had to always be in a certain order and I had to look a certain way and I had needed structure for everything so when I developed an eating disorder like that was my structure like that was what I held on to for safety so when I realized like I don't want my life to be like this anymore because I was having panic attacks every single day and it wasn't only affecting me anymore it was affecting my entire family and I was hurting people and I was like I literally cannot even survive like this anymore it was either this or I, I just wanted to die. But I knew that I didn't want to actually die. Like I actually did want to live. So I realized like I have the choice now. I can choose to see what happens if I jump into recovery and see what happens, like what life could be, or I could stay stuck and miserable. <laughs> so then I decided like I was going to recover. And obviously that's like very quickly said, like I decided I was going to recover <laughs> because it took a lot longer than that. And it was a lot of, well, actually I'm not going to recover, but no, now I am, but no, 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 I'm, I'm going to go back to my eating disorder. Like it was very, I feel like you're constantly in and out, in and out. Eventually, I decided I was really going to commit to full recovery because I realized you cannot have one foot in the water and you can't have one foot on the island, the eating disorder island, like metaphorically. <laughs> and I just had to jump in the water and swim away. And it felt to me like I was jumping without even knowing if I knew how to swim. 
want to ask you a question. What's stopping you? What is stopping you from committing to full recovery right now and choosing life? Is it because you feel you're not ready? Maybe you're too overwhelmed right now and are just going to wait until your anxiety finally settles down before reaching out for help. But you want to know something? If you are waiting for the perfect moment to recover, if you are waiting until you finally believe yourself to be sick enough, you'll be waiting your whole damn life, my friend, because the perfect moment to recover will never come. Your eating disorder will never allow you to believe you're sick enough or deserving of help. That is why it's able to keep you in its grasp, why it's able to keep manipulating you to use behaviors. I know it doesn't feel like you have a choice, but the reality is that you always do. Now, I'm not saying your eating disorder was your choice. It's something that happened to you. Things happen to all of us. Things that suck. And those things are not our fault. But recovery, giving yourself permission to heal, that is your responsibility. Let me give you a quick example. Say you were walking down the street and a giant rock just came out of nowhere and fell on your foot. Now, your foot is broken. It's not your fault that your foot is broken, but it's also not the rock's fault. You could blame it on the rock and any other external sources, but that doesn't change the fact that your foot is broken and you are still responsible for allowing your foot to heal. Although this may seem like a silly example with regards to recovery, the same does go for recovery. It sucks that you got an eating disorder, but what sucks even more is having to deal with an eating disorder for the rest of your life. So stop waiting for the perfect moment. Take this moment right now and make it the perfect one. And you don't have to do this alone. No one should have to go through recovery alone. So let's take this moment and make it perfect together, my friend. Schedule your first call for one-on-one coaching with me for free at livelabelfree.com slash schedule. That's livelabelfree, like the name of this podcast, dot com forward slash schedule and schedule a free 30-minute consultation call with me. Your future self will thank you. Now, let's get back to the podcast. That is such a scary jump in recovery, but I did it and I gained the weight and I worked on the mental piece, but something that I really noticed kind of a couple years into my recovery is that my OCD and kind of my need for cleanliness got like really excessive. So I was no longer like obsessed with like calories or like how healthy the food was because I definitely orthorexia was heavily part of my anorexia, but I got very obsessive with how clean things were. So I could not eat like off a plate that had like a speck of remaining food on it. Like no food could be touching. I could only make food in my kitchen if I had wiped down all the counters with like disinfectant. It was just very excessive and it took up a lot of my time along with also what you said about the compulsive exercise and not even exercise per se, but like movement, because I did know that I had this very compulsive relationship with exercise throughout the course of my eating disorder. So I was almost afraid to go back to exercising or working out, but instead it took the form of, like you said, like walking a lot and never taking the car, the bus or whatever, and just always biking everywhere and walking everywhere and taking always the stairs instead of an elevator, like anywhere where I could get movement. I would or 
it was like taking a detour if you were walking somewhere, not just walking the five minutes, but like walking the opposite way first <laughs> to make it longer, like all the little tricks, you know, and this makes recovery so difficult because it's often during this time where we're quote unquote at a healthy weight and we look fine, but it's the mental part that matters. And I think that's where there's this really fine line between like what is a healthy relationship with exercise and what is compulsive and same with food. Like what is actually genuinely wanting to order a salad and what is coming from your eating disorder. And I always remind people that it's all about the intention behind why you're doing the thing. Like, are you going on a run because you actually have a ton of energy and want to go running? Or are you going on a run because you say you have to? Or are you going on a run because you ate a pizza yesterday? Same with the eating. Like, are you ordering a salad because you actually are craving all the nutrients and the greens and the vegetables? Like, I know that if I've been gone for a weekend, like at a festival and there's been no vegetables, the only thing I want to eat after that weekend is a salad. So that's like genuinely my body wanting that. But if you're coming at it of like, I need to eat a salad because I need to make up like vegetables, then that's disordered. So I think that's like a really important thing to notice in recovery is noticing where these thoughts are coming from. A lot of times, and I think that's where there's like this huge kind of gap in the healthcare world is they say like as soon as you order salad oh that's your eating disorder I'm like well normal people that don't have eating disorders also order salad so if that was true that would mean that everyone had an eating disorder but in the beginning it can be really difficult because you don't know in the beginning what's your eating disorder thought and what's actually you so in that case I always say if you don't know where the thought's coming from choose the thought that would challenge the eating disorder because then you know for sure and then like as time progresses and you get better, then you can learn. But yeah, I'm I'm gonna be completely honest. Like it's it's really difficult. And still, yeah, when I get stressed sometimes, like especially when you're stressed and especially if the anxiety is clouding your vision, like you don't even realize you're doing these things. And then it's like, it hasn't been until like months passed and you haven't gotten your period and you're like, oh, like something's going on here, you know? So do you kind of want to get into maybe the period part or what are your thoughts on what I just shared? Yeah, well, I was also like very obsessed with quote unquote healthy eating, which for my orthorexic brain was just eating fruits and vegetables and that's it. And now that I'm recovering, I'm just tired of eating salads. Like I generally hate those now. Yeah, it's like me, I hate running. Like I used to run every single day during my eating disorder. You have done something so much and without wanting to do that, that now you can have, well, you have always had the choice, but now that you are free from it, it's like no thanks. <laughs> I don't want to have thanks. So yeah, I'm in that situation right now, but we move and we learn. So regarding the the period and all of that, thinking back, I first got amenorrhea and then I got anorexia. So I can't assure you that I think that at first my amenorrhea was kind of stress-induced because I was feeling like so bad and I had panic attacks and my mental health was very bad. So I think it basically started from there. I was under 18 and I lost so much weight and I was underweight. I didn't have a healthy body fat percentage and all 
you know, the things that are caused by under eating. So yeah, basically at first I didn't have my period for like a month and then it came back and then I didn't have for two months and it came back until it eventually disappeared. And at first, I think like the two, three first months, I was like, yeah, okay, I'm not carrying my period. Convenient. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't even thought about it like that much. I I don't know. I wasn't just in a good mental place that I just, I didn't care. Pretty sad, to be honest. I think we don't have the enough knowledge about how important periods are for our overall health. So yeah, at first I didn't even thought about it. But then months were passing by and I wasn't getting my period and I was like, okay, there's something wrong. So I went to, you know, gynecologist and I was, I did some blood tests to kind of guess or it's everything okay why I'm not getting my period because at first yeah I was like no I'm pretty fine it's like no it just can't be that so yeah but it basically was but I was in denial yeah months were passing by and I didn't got my period and I went to the gynecologist and she told me everything was fine and I told her yeah but I'm not getting my period so what's happening I remember clearly, like, the gynecologist didn't tell me anything and just will tell me, like, uh, well, it can be stress. Just, I remember clearly she told me, just have a tea and relax. <laughs> have a tea. It's like, it's like having an eating disorder, like, I can't eat. Have a tea. <laughs> relax. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Well, like, doctors, honestly, it just flabbergasted me how lack of knowledge they have around eating issues and just malnourishment because I remember also like I'm super short like I'm like barely five feet tall and I remember like a couple years ago I wasn't growing like I have not grown since I was 12 years old because I mean eating disorder you know like if you don't give a plant water it will not grow either but I was I think 16 or 17 at the time and I had not grown in like five years so I was like, why am I not growing? Like, of course it was like, because I wasn't eating enough. But I was like, mom, like, I'm sure there's something wrong. Like, I don't produce enough growth hormone or something. Like, that's why I'm not growing. So we went to the doctor and we got all these tests, like testing my growth hormone. And I've got to be honest, actually, my growth hormone like was on the very low side. So, which was interesting, but it was like still within normal range. So they couldn't like give me growth hormone like they do with people that actually have like growth hormone deficiency but it was like kind of a similar thing like these doctors like we were saying like she's not growing and these doctors weren't even saying like it's because you're not eating enough they were just like hmm that's so strange like well the growth hormone is on the low end so maybe that's why and like your parents are short so maybe that's why like never in the conversation did it even come up of like well, you were malnourished, you know, which is just so odd to me because like humans, like the number one thing we need is food to function. <laughs> so it's just so weird. They have the option in front of them and they can't see it. Yeah. And I think with that, honestly, the reason why I think that is, is because they're so focused on doing everything from the book. You know what I'm saying? They're so focused on like, I'm a gynecologist. Like I learned 
this and this and this in school so these are the only options and that's kind of where the medical system just really frustrates me because they do not know how to think outside of the box and I think especially with eating disorder treatments and that's also the reason why I created my coaching program is because I needed out of the box when I was going through my own recovery because literally every treatment center I went to was like "Mm, yeah sorry like after four months you're not getting better, like, our approach doesn't work, so that means no approach will work, and I'm like, that doesn't make sense, and I think the only reason, because everyone always asks, like, what was different about Carolina House, like, why did that help, and honestly, I was talking to my mom about this the other day, but the only reason why I think Carolina House helped out of, like, almost dozens, not dozens, but, like, six, half a dozen treatment centers I went to was because Carolina House was the only treatment center that I walked into that I was like, I actually want this. Like, I'm actually going to surrender to the process. And with all the other treatment centers, it was like very forced because I was under 18. So my parents just decided for me. But if you don't want to recover, like if the patient themselves or the sick person themselves doesn't want to recover, they can go to the best treatment center there is, like in the most expensive and the most luxurious treatment center but if the person does not want it it will not work and that actually brings me to a quote that I heard on another podcast the other day about recovery is for those who want it not for those who need it and it just like hit me so hard because I was like yeah like that that's so true like someone can so be needing recovery to save their life but as long as they don't want it they won't be able to recover so yeah and then that brings me to another quote about the coaching and just the thinking outside of the box when it comes to treatment is that I always say when people are asking me like do you have like a license or a diploma I'm like well you can learn it from someone who experienced it and who recovered from the eating disorder and just went on the journey or you can learn it from someone who learned it from a book (laughs) which is like the typical treatment teams hey you are you already on the wait list for my extreme hunger course that's right After lots and lots of requests from my community for an all-in-one resource that will teach you how to beat extreme hunger for good, I decided to create just that. Over the past couple of months, I have been pouring my heart and soul into this course that will guide you step-by-step to feeling truly satisfied around food. I know how incredibly scary it can feel to have this fear that you'll never stop eating or that you'll eat your way into obesity because you've become addicted to food. This course is the resource I wish I had when I was experiencing extreme hunger. It's based not only on my own experience and everything I've learned on my journey to food freedom, but it's also backed by science. From the biology of extreme hunger, to why you crave so much junk food, to redistribution of weight gain, to hormonal changes, to removing guilt, and so much more, my extreme hunger course will teach you everything you didn't even think you needed to know about unrestricted eating. To get on the waitlist and be the first one to know when my course goes live, just head over to livelabelfree.com forward slash extreme dash hunger dash course. That's live label free like the name of this podcast dot com forward slash extreme dash hunger dash course and sign up for the waitlist there i am so excited for you to finally feel satisfied and at peace with food now let's get back to the episode i definitely think they have their time and place like i'm totally not like bashing treatment centers at all but if you've gone to several treatment centers and they don't work and they're not willing to 
look at you as a patient and they're only looking at you as a patient, then I'm like, you do need to think outside the box at that point. I don't know if you have any experience aside from the gynecologist with like professional treatment at all. I didn't went to professional treatment. I pretty much did recovery on my own. That's why I think I did so much research and looked for so many resources and books and people. Um, yeah, it basically saves my life. All that I have searched and just read about really was my recovery and saved my life. So I'm so grateful for that. Well, I think it's really interesting you say that, like, I did all this research and I found so many things online and I found all these people and that saved my life. But I think a really interesting note of you is that didn't save your life because it's one thing to do the research and listen to podcasts and read books on recovery and pretend that you're recovering because you're educating yourself about recovery, which is a false trap a lot of us fall into but it's a whole nother thing to actually take action because you can read all the books you want you can listen to all the podcasts you want while uh, compulsively walking (laughs) and doing whatever you know that's kind of a joke but also not really a joke because I did the same thing (laughs) years ago but it's a whole nother thing to actually challenge these ingrained behaviors and actually put in the work and really commit to doing recovery and that's what you've been doing and I definitely think that research and resources and books are key elements of this part of recovery because they've helped me too and because I feel like when I better understood my eating disorder and especially when I better understood that it wasn't my fault and that it did have a genetic kind of base I realized like okay it's not my fault but it's now my responsibility to recover so what kind of allowed you or kind of what kind of triggered you I guess to realize like I really don't want to live like this anymore and the steps kind of you took to get to where you are now well I think first my eating disorder made me a totally different person I hated that person because I just shifted all my reality and I was just so depressed so sad I stopped doing all the things that I loved I stopped like dancing. I love dancing. I love music. I stopped everything that brought me joy. Yeah, and I was feeling like miserable. Basically, I I didn't have a purpose in my life. All that I cared about was my eating disorder and food and exercise. And my world was so small and so sad that I I just didn't have passion about anything when I always have had passion and I'm always very positive person and open-minded and I love talking to people and I was isolated so much so yeah it wasn't like one day I wake up and just decided I wanted to recover but I saw my life so miserable that I say okay I can't live like this anymore yeah for me too yeah it was like the risk of jumping into the unknown is like has better odds than the risk of just doing what you're like oh still doing <laughs> being miserable yeah I basically think like I didn't even have risk because I hated my life so I didn't have anything to lose so in that way I'm very like you I need to understand things in order to make a change at first I read a lot and I listened to podcasts and everything but I was just 
reading. I wasn't making any actions. In a way, I wasn't prepared to do that at first. I think I needed my time to process things. So at first, I just read about things and understand uh, my eating disorder. And then I was able to take action and take part in my recovery. It also made me understand a lot of things out of my eating disorder. Like recovery isn't just about eating and your eating disorder. It's a whole new perspective. You may think like the journey may never end, but it does shift and change. And you can see things that you first thought of that you were incapable of doing or that were impossible. And then you one day just realized like this morning I had breakfast like very quickly because I was in a rush and I didn't even think about it. But I took a whole banana, which was a nightmare for me. It was always half like a whole banana didn't even exist. Yeah. So today I just grab a whole banana and I stand there in my kitchen and I was like, wow. Like, who am I? You know, a um, couple of months prior to that, I wouldn't even have thought about doing that. It was, I've been so scary, but now it's just like, okay, fine, banana. What am I scared of? Yeah, you bring up such an important point here, especially I loved what you said about it's not about coming to the end of a journey, it's about like, the journey constantly evolving because that is what it is because also what you said about oh my god so many things here to unpack but also just about recovery isn't about eating or overcoming your exercise addiction or healing your hypothalamic amenorrhea but it's really about discovering who you are as a person and that's why I always say I would never have traded even though my eating disorder took almost eight years away from me I would never have traded the journey I'm still on honestly for anything because this amount of self-discovery I've done and the amount of amazing people I've met like you, the amazing community I've built, the impact I can now make with my story like is absolutely priceless and always comes back to me again saying my mess that became my message. With the banana thing, it's also so interesting because something I get asked a lot is like, how do you know when you are recovered? Like, how do you know when you're there? And then it's for me that answer of like, it's not like you wake up one morning and you're like, I'm, I'm better. Like it's a constantly evolving thing. And I, every year I'm like, I have never had this good of a relationship with food, but then another year goes by and I'm like, my relationship with food is even better than it was last year. And it's like with that banana thing, like sometimes, well, not sometimes, but there are going to be days in your recovery where you do something or you realize you buy cookies without checking the label or you order something without checking the menu beforehand or like, all these things that are then different, like, and you realize you do that and you're like, hey, whoa, like, I didn't even know I could do that. And I feel like that's like the really awesome part about recovery is like, you kind of just realize things. And that's how you know that you're making progress. But I feel like the more and more you try and like micromanage it, I guess, the more frustrating it becomes, because it is kind of a process that you have to trust and let it go naturally because healing does take time so yeah I just I loved what you said about that journey evolving and everything so with everything you've said like 
for our listeners, if they're like really on the fence about taking action in recovery and they like really don't know where to start, what would be your advice to them? I think that what I first told myself was why deeply ask yourself, why do you want to recover? If you are thinking about recovery, then you're not happy the way you're living now. You wouldn't even be thinking about recovery if you were happy the way you are living now. So that was just a game changer for me. Like, okay, if I'm thinking about changing, then I know that my reality now is not the way I want to live. So I just knew that I had to do something about it. And also knowing that you have to do the work, you can have help, you can have support, or you can't have it also, and you can't recover. Help is just that. It's just something, someone, or maybe just support from people online. I really didn't have that much support from people around me because I was also isolating myself. So all my support was basically from the internet and all the people I read about, their stories and things I could relate to. So what I want to say is that you don't need to rely on someone or something to recover. You just need yourself, your motivation and your why, your purpose to do something and That's to say that I have discovered how powerful I am and how brave I am. I knew I was strong, but I didn't knew how strong I was until I started recovery. And that's something that I will never forget. And that's just pure happiness in life for me now. So, yeah. Beautiful. And you keep becoming stronger every day. And, and that's really the beautiful part of growing and getting older is that every year you realize you're stronger. <laughs> and what you said about finding your why, that is so incredibly powerful because if you are thinking about recovery, yes, indeed, you wouldn't be thinking about recovery if you were perfectly content. Like you wouldn't be thinking about changing if you didn't want to actually change. So I think really going deep and saying, yeah, why do I want this? that is going to give you the motivation to recover. Because in the end, the only thing that motivation is, is a reason to do something. So if you know your why, then you know your reason, and then the motivation automatically follows. So absolutely beautiful. And I think that's a perfect note to end on. But before we do, is there anything you wanted to add before we wrap up? I think also like in the recovery community online, we also talk about like the main eating disorders, like the ones that everyone knows. Anorexia, orthorexia, bulimia, and binge eating. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, I think we need to talk more about other types of eating disorders or acknowledge the privilege we have talking about our disorders, for example, you and I, we both have same privilege and we both talk about recovery and it's okay. Everyone can talk about recovery and their own stories. 
but we also need to acknowledge that people who live in larger bodies have a hard time talking about these things and I know my privilege like I'm a thin white woman but that's not to say that you can't talk about your story we are all valuable we can all be heard but recognizing your privilege also makes a space for all the people to talk about their issues yeah no so 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 beautifully said and that ties back to that idea of being sick enough is so often people feel like they're not sick enough because they don't fit the stereotype. They're not a thin white female. And it's just, that goes also so many stigmas. Like if you're in a larger body, if you're a male, if you identify as like a a different gender, you know, like it's really hard to get help and to get recognition because so often the typical healthcare system is only focused on thin white females and if they don't fit a certain weight category then it's like oh you're not sick enough so I think society definitely penetrates this ideal which is just so unfair and so unfortunate and that's why I'm so grateful for people like you that are really emphasizing like if you are thinking about changing you basically are sick enough (laughs) like that means you need help and you deserve help so thank you so so much for sharing that I'm so happy that I asked you (laughs) do you have anything else to share because that is really really valuable so if people do want to continue the conversation with you and reach out where would be the best place to contact you well I have an Instagram account I don't really use that much but If anyone just wants to leave a message, they can contact me at... You can say it and then you can spell it. (laughs) It's a bit difficult, my name, but it's like Dharma Rocio, which is D-H-A-R-M-A-R-O-C-I-O. I have just my Instagram account, but yeah, if you want anything, I'm there. Perfect. Yeah. And I think I'm going to have to have you on another time to explain the the story of your name, Dharma, because everyone knows that that's like the Indian good luck. Like it's connected to karma somehow. (laughs) I'm not educated on this, but (laughs) I think that's another beautiful story, just as you are a beautiful person. So Dharma, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. If you dear listener got anything from this episode please screenshot this share it on your ig stories and tag me both live label free and dharma which she just shared her username so you know that and tell us your thoughts tell us your takeaways the insights you got and tell us why your why why you want to recover or why you started recovery because We love to hear it. So thank you, Dharma, for coming on. Thank you for listening, everyone. And we'll talk to you in the next episode. Bye. Bye.